The voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. This is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is a WVU sports podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right. Thank you for listening today. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Let us know what you think about today's episode. You can also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you like to listen to your podcast. So let's get into it. Today, we are going to give you our predictions for the 2022 football season. We are going to discuss Jared Dagey transferring from Western Kentucky Um, And we just found out today he's landing at Troy and we will update you on the careers of some WVU pros. So let's dive right into it. Uh, We will be giving you a game by game prediction for the 2022 season. And Brandon's going to be doing something a little different during our predictions. You want to introduce it a little bit? Sure. So um, coming into this, I kind of wanted to think of a way to spice things up a little bit. Um, Everyone and their mother. Um, and WVU Sports Media is doing game by game predictions. So we wanted to do something a little bit different. So um, what we're doing is um, I picked a movie that will represent the theme or the feel of that game um, to accompany my prediction. So hopefully it is fun. Um, I spent a little bit of time doing this. So um, hopefully it doesn't fall flat. I hope you guys like it. And if you guys have any ideas as you're listening, feel free to send us a message, comment on what you think um, our hits and misses were. I like it. I think it's going to be fun. So um, let's dive right into it. We will be giving you a game-by-game prediction for the 2022 season. Let's start with WVU versus Pitt. The Backyard Brawl is back. It has been 10 years since these teams squared off, but uh, the hate for each other definitely has not faded Uh, This game is the third most expensive season opener. It's only behind Notre Dame at Ohio State and North Carolina at Appalachian State. An average price for a ticket. So um, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, so um, to start off, the movie I picked to describe this game is The Empire Strikes Back. Um, And the reason I picked this one is it's kind of a game where I think there's a lot of anxiety going into the game. There's a lot of question marks around WVU. WVU is if they are a, a young Padawan coming into a battle where they might be going up against a more experienced foe. Um, with more experience, WVU may be able to pull out the win, but it feels like WVU has lost its hand in some way, shape, or form. Spoiler alerts. Um, and leaves fans wondering how the rest of the season will go. Um, you know, I think this is a game where WVU makes some costly mistakes that, you know, feels a little bit Maryland-esque from last year. But um, I think Pitt's a lot better than Maryland was. So while I think WVU hopefuls are going to maybe overreact to the loss a little bit, and I do think it will be a loss, um, I I think it may be the sort of loss that is a character-building experience for this team. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Uh, Make no mistake, Mountaineer fans, this is a tough game. And there's a reason Vegas has WVU as the underdog in this one. Pitt has lost quarterback Kenny Pickett. They lost leading wide receiver Jordan Addison and their offensive coordinator, 
But uh, this is still a dangerous pit team. They have ex-USC quarterback Keaton or Kendon. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. But Slovis. We all know Slovis from USC. And he has 58 career touchdown passes. And he was the first team all Pac-12 a couple years ago. So the kid has talent. And Pitt also has two monsters returning on their defensive line. And it's Cansey and Baldonado, who are first and second team all ACC last year, respectively. So um, I don't think Pitt is as good as they were last season, but I don't think they're going to take a huge dip in the success that they had either. So it pains me to say it, but I have Pitt winning a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. Um, but that doesn't mean WVU can't pull off the upset. It, I do think it'll be close. So you never know in a football game. Um, but uh, for all of the the complaining fans that have done with Neil Brown, one thing you can say about Neil Brown that's been a positive during his tenure at WVU is typically he keeps the game close. It's not too often WVU just gets blown out of the water, which means WVU absolutely has a chance to upset Pitt. But just like you, I'm 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 going with Pitt in this one as well. Yeah, and I think the mistakes that we'll see in this game too are, are going to be just that mistakes from inexperienced players. Um, Pitt is very experienced across their offensive line, and that's going to be tough for WVU because our best asset is our defensive line on defense. Lots of question marks in the secondary, and with Slovis coming in, who's an experienced quarterback, they have a couple receivers coming back who had solid seasons last year. Obviously, no Addison is a big loss, but you know, having a clean pocket for a quarterback who has shown in real college football games that he can make plays, um, someone's going to step up and put some yards on um, against the WVU secondary. It's just that. And then offense, you know, Pitt's strongest point on defense is their defensive line. And WVU's offensive line, even though we're returning five starters, is still a question mark. So um, it's a good opportunity for Pitt to kind of pin their ears back and, you know, see how JT Daniels does under pressure. And this is going to be the first game he's played in, what, over 18 months? Um, it's a long time and practice can only get you so far. So there's going to be mistakes, but it's going to be player mistakes just from inexperience. I don't think you're going to see the coaching mistakes like we've seen in years past. Yeah. And from everything I'm hearing, the new offensive coordinator and, you know, Pitt's head coach wants to run the ball way more than they did last year, because last year they were just so pass happy. And, um, so it won't be all on Slovis just to keep making play after play. I mean, they are going to give him some help running the ball a lot. And, uh, you know, we're going to dive into this game deeper next week when we have journalist Alan Saunders on from Pittsburgh Sports Now. So um, stay tuned to next Thursday night. That's when he'll be joining us on August 25th. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll I'll save the rest for next week. you have anything else for the pit game? No, I think that's a good primer. All right, so let's go to game number two. West Virginia's conference opener is in Morgantown against the Jayhawks. Um, kind of unfortunate, I feel. This is a game you probably want in the middle or towards the end of your schedule. Um, but it is what it is. So what's your prediction for the game? Yeah, so my movie for this game is Animal House. And just because I think that it that's what Mountaineer Field is going to be like. Um, rowdy fans, football's back in Morgantown, lots of really positive changes to the team during the offseason, and a lot of excitement around the new quarterback, the new offense. Um, the Morgantown's going to be rocking. And while Dean Wormer, who I have played by Jalen Daniels, who is the best player on the Jayhawks by far, 
tries to thwart and quiet down the rowdy fans with his legs and his arm, he will ultimately be unsuccessful and WV will come out with a comfortable win. I like it. Yeah. Although Kansas only won two games last season. Um, you know, this seems like the best Kansas team since that 2007 team that went 12 and one. Um, but they still got a lot to, to prove to the big 12. Um, coach Leopold did a nice job in his first year and is looking to build off the confidence they gained towards the end of last season. Like you said, Jalen Daniels seems to be the real deal at quarterback. So expect him to make a few highlight real plays, kind of like how he did last year. Um, but however, I expect WVU to win easily, actually. Um, you know, it's a home game. I expect them to win by multiple scores, even if that's just 10 or 14 points. I'll take that. Um, and if they can't beat Kansas at home, then that I think that's going to spell disaster for the rest of the season. There, there's not a lot of games we're expected to win on the schedule. So you definitely got to take advantage of this one. I know West Virginia will be coming off an emotional game versus Pitt. That's the only thing that really worries me. But, um, you know, Kansas, the Kansas game is a six o'clock kickoff. So I feel like that's going to have semi night game feels. And just like you said, it's the first game back in Morgantown. I think the crowd's going to be going nuts. I do think that's going to help us a little bit. The stadium will be rocking. And, um, you know, the Mountaineers better deliver a statement win in their conference opener or it could be a long year. Yeah. And I think this is a great game for the players who don't have experience or don't have the chemistry yet to really build things up. Kansas, especially on offense, because Kansas's defense was terrible last year. They did bring in a few new players, um, but it's not really enough to really turn them around from a bottom bottom defense to middle of the pack. So um, I'm really looking forward to see in this game to see JT Daniels really develop a relationship with one or two wide receivers out there. Um, you know, have a big game from him, have a big game from maybe Bryce Ford Wheaton or Caden Prather. Um, and then, you know, get to see some Tony Mathis and some of the other backs kill the clock in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so let's move on to game number three. The Mountaineers are at home once again. Townsend is their opponent, and that is a Division II team. How do you see this one going? Yeah, so this one I have hard to kill, and it's not because Tosin's hard to kill. It's because it's a Steven Seagal movie. And the one thing about Steven Seagal movies are they, once you've seen once, you've seen them all. And every FCS school WVU plays, it's the same thing over and over again. What's the point? It's fun to see big plays. It's fun to see long touchdowns. It's fun to see some kung fu fighting. But halfway through the game, everyone's bored. Everyone's leaving the stadium. And people are still asking, why do we do this every year? Why are we playing these bottom feeder schools every year? I love it. Um, Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that comparison. I mean, listen, the Townsend game, it, it might be more important than fans realize. This might be the only game WVU gets a chance to give their second and third units heavy playing time. Because who knows? Kansas might keep that game close. I think it's safe to say Townsend, you know, the second and third units will get some experience. So I'm excited for that. However, you know, it's like you said, you know, by the mid-third quarter, fourth quarter, you're you're kind of just chit-chatting more than watching the game because it's a foregone conclusion. So um, I'm not going to sit here and give this a big breakdown. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of other intriguing games to cover here. 
Yep. I have nothing else to say. We all know how it's going. <laughs> yeah. All right. Game number four. This is, um, you know, West Virginia's last non-conference game. They will travel to Blacksburg to take on hated rival Virginia Tech. So what's your prediction for this game? So for this one, my theme movie is The Lion King. So hear me out. (laughs) Blacksburg is Pride Rock. It's in a state of turmoil. New head coach. And since Grant Wells, the former Marshall quarterback and West Virginia native, is now starting quarterback there, it's even more applicable. He can be Scar. Um, Uncertainty at quarterback. Question marks around the program and the direction that they're going. Um, WVU led by Simba or JT Daniels or whoever it may be is going to march right into Blacksburg and get an easy win against the flailing Hokies team. Nice. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, you know, Virginia tech has been down the last couple of years so much so that they got rid of their head coach, um, Justin Fuentes or Fuente, I think is how you say it. They got rid of him last season and they brought in Brent Pry as their new head coach. Um, there's always first year bumps when you get a new head coach and he has a lot to fix on top of it. So that gives me a lot of hope because obviously going into Virginia tech on a Thursday night game is tough, but uh, Virginia tech's offense, they were terrible last year. So I don't expect their offense to have this big, tremendous turnaround. Brewmeister is no longer there. Um, they brought in ex Marshall quarterback, like you said, Grant Wells, um, who, who, I, I mean, he'll be an upgrade, but he is a little turnover happy. He has 22 interceptions in the past two seasons, and I'm sure of, you know that's going to cost Tech a game or two this year. So it really comes down to Tech's defense and special teams, which is normally their backbone of their program. But their de- their defense was okay last year. Um, you know, it's not the daunting VTech defense that of of their glory days that was very intimidating. So um, like I said, I know going there is no easy task, especially since we're such a hated rival with them. Um, Their fans are going to be bumping, but I expect the Mountaineers to win in this game. I wouldn't even be surprised if once again, it's by 10 or 14 points. Yeah. I feel the same way. And it, you know, kind of the flip side of the Kansas game. I think this is great for WVU's defense because I just don't see the Virginia tech offense really, putting anything out there that's of huge, huge issues to the WVU defense. And this will give a, the West Virginia secondary time to gel because Grant Wells is really bad under pressure. And I feel like if WVU turns up the heat with their great defensive line, with these athletic linebackers that we have on the team now, it's going to give our defensive backs a lot of opportunities to get between passes, get interceptions, get deflections, and really kind of get their legs under them, which will go a long way towards the second half of the season. Yeah. So a third into the season, it sounds like you and me are on the same page. West Virginia is three and one at this point, which I I think most fans would take that. That's a good start to a season. Um, So let's, let's get into the rest of the season. Um, The second conference game that they have, this is when the gauntlet begins. The fifth game of the year is against Texas in Austin. So how do you see this game going? Yeah, so for this movie, I have uh, the Avengers Infinity War. Um, So for this one, I have the good guys, three-game winning streak comes to an end, and the loss comes to a team that seems to be finally utilizing their talent to its potentials. The Mountaineers lead late, but Quinn Ewers shows why he was the highest-rated QB prospect since Vince Young and leads the Longhorns to a comeback victory, snatching an Infinity Stone and coming (laughs) one step closer to the rebuilding of a Texas juggernaut. 
I could definitely see that happening. Um, you know, Texas has a ton of offensive firepower. They have two proven studs. They have running back uh, BJ Robinson. They have wide receiver Xavier Worthy. Um, and they were both first team All Big 12 last year. So we know they got the talent. Texas, um, you know, th- like you said, they might have also solved that quarterback problem that they had last year, bringing in Quinn Ewers from Ohio State. Um, he's highly regarded, but we'll see. He hasn't proven anything yet but by all accounts people think he's gonna be pretty good um so the big question is whether they've improved that offensive line in their defense because that was pretty rough last year for texas um their o-line did a nice job of run blocking last year but i mean teams even wvu were just teeing off on all of their quarterbacks uh it's important to note that their offense averaged 35 points per game last year that's a little inflated with I think they had like a 70 point win at yeah. one, you know, score at one point last year, but still their offense could score. Um, which means the biggest wink link last year was their defense. Um, it struggled to apply pressure to the quarterback. They only recorded 20 sacks last season and um, no one on their team had more than two and a half sacks, which is kind of shocking. Um, and you know, if anyone watched a Texas game last year, not even just the West Virginia game, but any game, it seemed like they gave up several home run touchdowns, uh, which is always, uh, you know, special disaster for your win-loss column. So I think their offensive firepower will put up points. I think their defense has improved. Uh, and because of that, because we're on the road, I'm with you. I got Texas winning this game. Um, I think WVU fans are going to go into this one expecting a win. I think we're going to be three and one riding a three game winning streak thinking we're going to go to Texas and win. And I think we're going to walk away with a disappointing loss, which seems to be a theme uh, for every WVU season lately. Yeah. And I I think it just comes down to kind of star power, Um, you know, with all things equal, you know, I I could, I don't see WVU blowing out Texas. I mean, that's really never been WVU's MO when we beat Texas. Um, it's more of just Texas having that star power on offense. Sarkeesian being such a great offensive coach. Um, WVU is going to have to pull away by multiple scores. And I just don't think at this point in the season against an improved Texas defense in front of, you know, in Austin, in front of a lot of loud Texas fans, WVU is just not going to be able to sustain it for four quarters. And that's where that really, really loaded offense is really going to shine is they're going to close out the game strong. Um, it's a really scary, I mean, like you said, Worthy, Robinson, Ewers, those three alone, um, is probably one of the best trios in college football, in my opinion, at least on paper, but, um, yeah, very scary offense. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. As always, Texas has to prove it, but like you said, on paper, that looks like that's going to be a tough one to come out with a W, which brings us to our next game. Um, you know, West Virginia plays Baylor on Thursday night in Morgantown. I cannot wait to go to this game. Milan Pushkar Stadium, Mountaineer Field is going to be rocking. Win or lose, it's going to be a blast. I love games like this. Uh, how do you see this game going? So I think you're going to like this one. Um, just because it kind of feeds into what you said last one for the Texas game is lots of WVU fans are going to expect to win that game. And coming into this game, WU does have three wins, but they're against, remember, Kansas, Tosin, and a really bad Virginia Tech team. So there's going to be a lot of question marks around um, the program. And for this move, uh, for this game, I picked Saving Silverman. 
So love that with, movie. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> with three wins versus bottom feeders and two losses to quality opponents, the fan base is uncertain, sharpening their nails to drag Neil Brown out of town should the Mountaineers <laughs> fall to three and three. But JT Daniels, as played by Jack Black, and Dante Stills, played by C- Steve Zahn, lead WVU to a much-needed quality win and help WV West Virginia Nation, played by Jason Biggs, get away from a toxic situation. I love it. That might be my favorite one so far. Um, and you and me seem to be on the same page. You know, Baylor has lost a lot of talent from their 12-win team last season. Don't get me wrong. I still think they're going to be probably a top three or four team in the Big 12 by the end of the year. Um, but I could realistically see that win total coming down to around eight wins after a 12-win season. So, um, you know, they're a very old-school team last year. They they just ran the ball a lot, played tough defense, and it worked. Um, but, you know, they went 4-1 and one in one-score games. That was really the difference maker. They had a lot of tight games. It's just they were winning those tight games by controlling the clock and playing tight D. Um, and they were certainly built to have a team like that. This year, they are missing um, their top two running backs who went pro. They are missing their top three passing targets um, who either went pro or transferred. And let's not forget, they have a different quarterback. Um, Bo Hannon transferred out after losing the starting position to Blake Sapin. So um, this isn't the same offense that we saw last season. The Bears lost a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but I suspect their defense is still going to be solid under their head coach. He's a very defensive-minded guy. Uh, With all that being said, though, I'm with you. I'm going with the Mountaineers in this one. I think WVU's defense has a big day. I think the crowd uh, plays a bit of a factor in charging them up, and I, I think the Mountaineer offense puts up enough points for an exciting Thursday night victory. Yeah, I mean, and just looking back at the history, um, WVU plays Baylor really well when Baylor's in Morgantown. It seems like we win more times than we lose. On top of that, with Baylor um, losing several really good defensive players, they lost Jalen Petrie to the draft, who was arguably probably the best defensive player in the Big 12 last year, and he's going to be making lots of plays on Sundays coming in this next NFL season. And I, that's, that's big because he was all over the field against WVU last year, and we talked about him a lot um, in our preview last year about He's a guy you just need to go away from. And when you have some lose that type of player, it's hard to replace that production. And as a coaching staff, um, you end up just kind of, you know, coaching as a more team style and you can exploit that. And I think Graham Harrell is really going to show how his offense can work against, you know, a cover two or a cover three defense. That's really built to, to bend, but not break and isn't built around one defensive stud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, and um, I don't know why. I just have a strong feeling that they're going to split the Texas-Baylor game. Even if somehow they end up beating Texas, I feel like they're still going to go one and one in those two games, but we'll see. Honestly, I would take that if we started the year that way. Um, But let's jump to the next one. West Virginia goes on the road to take on Texas Tech. This is a game that I'm seeing a ton of people online picking the Red Riders to win. And I'm a little confused by the overwhelming favoritism. Of course, anyone can win any game, but um, this one kind of has me scratching my head. What's your prediction? So people love Joey McGuire, and I don't really understand where it's coming from, Um, but we'll get into that. (laughs) Um, So for this movie, I picked The Little Giants, which is a football movie, and I tried to stay 
away from sports movies from this, but I think it's really appropriate because Neil Brown, who I have played by Rick Moranis in this movie, has always been living in the shadows of his former team, losing all three matches matchups during his tenure. He's lost quality players to the transfer portal. He doesn't know how to coach an offense, but a new quarterback plus an improved chemistry and mindset of the team help bring a level of consistency that the Mountaineers have lacked the past few seasons. The Mountaineers pull off a, a win in comfortable fa- fashion in Lubbock. I like it. I think they do kind of have similarities. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Texas Tech, they hired a defensive minded head coach. That's a statement you don't hear very often. Joey McGuire, he spent two years at Baylor prior to getting this job. And, um, you know, honestly, it's potentially a genius move by Texas Tech's athletic department because Tech has had the ability to rack up yards and score points on offense for years and years now. The the only thing they've been lacking is, you know, a defense. And, um, you know, once again, they have the talent on offense to put up points, to put up some big numbers and yards. They have Thompson coming back at running back. They have several capable quarterbacks. They proved that last year um, when, you know, some of their quarterbacks got the injury bug. And Tech always has talented wide receivers. So I do think, you know, they're going to score again. The knock on Tech is their horrid defense. And if McGuire can come in and make an immediate impact on that side of the ball, uh, they could be a dangerous team when we play them. But, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to turn the defense around that quick. I think that's going to benefit us. Um, the, the weird thing is Texas Tech always gives West Virginia problems. And so um, that does have me a little worried. But, um, no, nah, I'm still leaning West Virginia in this game. And I, I don't understand why so many people who are making game predictions is picking this game in particular as a win for Tech. Um I, I feel like West Virginia is going to handle this one. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of confidence around Joey McGuire. I know he hired the offensive coordinator away from Western Kentucky, who was famous for, you know, coaching Bailey Zapp and breaking the um, single season passing yardage record last year. But, you know, I don't think that's something that changes overnight. You know, even if you bring in a great offensive coordinator who has experience making big plays and developing good quarterbacks in college football, um, he's not gonna be able to walk right in and turn, you know, Tyler slow into Bailey's app. I mean, slow may be good, but, um, you know, you, you can't turn that around and same with the defense. I mean, you might see some incremental changes, but I just have a hard time seeing, you know, a complete 180 from Texas tech. Um, the biggest issues when WV played Texas tech in the past has just been consistency. And I think, you know, as we talked about in the Texas or in the Virginia tech game and the Kansas game, you know, kind of getting players on the same page, building forward and having someone like Graham Harrell to bring consistency to that offense, have a hundred percent of his attention being on fixing mistakes and game planning is going to add a level of consistency. That's really going to help us beat teams like Texas tech, who we are more than capable of beating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And even, I think his name's Kitley, the offensive coordinator who came in. That sounds right. Yeah. Something like that. Even if he comes in and does, you know, do pretty well it's not like tech typically has problems scoring so i mean not unless you fix that defense they're still gonna be that six win tech team that you see every single year it seems like right so, um all right moving on we got um wvu taking on tcu at home i think this is potentially a must win game which might sound weird 
Um, but the reason I say that is because after this game, WVU could easily lose the next four because it's just it's just murder's row with some of these games. So I think getting um, wins over teams like Tech, TCU are huge because, um, you know, the losses could pile up pretty quick if you don't get ones like this. It could be the difference between making a bowl game and not. So how do you see this one playing out? So um, of the movies I've picked, this one is my favorite, um, not favorite movie, but favorite for this prediction drill that we're doing. So I pick Stand By Me for this game. Oh, man. How are you um, going to do this? <laughs> Want to see a dead body? TCU <laughs> is limping into Morgantown against a Mountaineer team that has reeled off back-to-back quality wins and gained experience in a secondary that has had many question marks coming into the season. With the, While the Sunny Dykes-led offense provides a few obstacles, the Mountaineers use this as a learning experience, growing up before our eyes, learning life lessons, and dominating the Horned Frogs. I love it. And I think that would be awesome if we came in and, uh, you know, put up a big win against them. Uh, once again, this is a team with a new head coach. TCU parted ways with their longtime head coach, Gary Patterson. And like you said, they hired Sonny Dykes. Um, Dykes is a guy known for his offense. He's had success at other schools like Louisiana Tech and SMU. But um, let's not forget, he's also struggled at a Power 5 school. He was the head coach at Cal once upon a time. And I believe they had one winning record in his four years there. So, um, (laughs) no. So, I mean, he does have to prove that he can go to a Power 5 school and be successful. So I think TCU's offense will be okay this year. They got a lot of weapons. They got Max Duggan at quarterback. They got Quentin Johnston at wide receiver. Um, Kendra Miller, Darius Davis. They have a lot of talent on offense. But once again, you know, this is a team who struggled uh, to play defense last year. They couldn't apply pressure. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop the run. And, uh, you know, they were just terrible. They gave up 35 points a game. I'm not sure Sonny is the, you know, the type of person who can drastically improve a defense. And and because of that, yeah, I'm picking WVU to win. I, I'm with you. I, I, uh, I, I think this should be a home run for WVU. And let's not forget, they also lost Zach Evans, who might have been their best player last year. He transferred oh, to sure. Ole Miss. Yeah, and I, I think the issue with Sonny Dykes coming in is he is just so pass happy. And right now where TCU stands, they have some some nice weapons. Duggan's really good. I like Johnston at wide receiver. He's a legit NFL prospect, I think. But you can game plan against that, and that's kind of always been Sonny Dykes' weaknesses is if you can take away that passing game, you can disrupt it, you know, you just lose the game. Um, and I think WVU's the combination of the defensive line, the pressure we can generate, um, Charles Woods being one of the best cornerbacks in the Big 12, um, being able to go one-on-one against probably their number two receiver and then just bracketing Johnston. Um, you know, I, I think TCU is just going to end up being coming too predictable and too easy to shut down, even though they are an ex- explosive offense. And when I say shut down, I don't mean hold them to a shutout, but probably hold them to like 17, 21 points or something like that. But with that defense, WVU should be able to score pretty easy. Yeah, I'm with you. And, uh, you know, we're two thirds into the schedule and it, I think you and me have agreed on every single game. So we'll <laughs> see we how did not coordinate this. <laughs> yeah, we did not. 
we didn't know what each other were going to say prior to this. Um, but let's see how these last four go, because this is really the stretch that scares me this season. Uh, West Virginia will travel to Ames, Iowa to take on Iowa State. The Cyclones are coming off a disappointing season. And, um, you know, they will be without some familiar names this year. No Brock Purdy, no Brees Hall. So with that being said, what's your prediction? So for this one, I had a hard, hard time picking out a movie. So I went with Cinderella Man, and it was more based on the coaching matchup. I love um, that movie. It's great. Uh, Neil Brown was once considered one of the best young coaches in football. But over the past three seasons, perception has waned. Matt Campbell has been the hot name in the Big 12, but a rebuilding year at Iowa State has put another WVU, uh, plus another WVU road win, has people rethinking their stance on Neil Brown's talents. So I have WVU winning this game, um, continuing now four games in a row with a win. Nice. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Even though the Cyclones lost those two big names on offense that we mentioned, um, they still have playmaker Xavier Hutchinson. And their quarterback, Hunter Deckers, um, he's sat behind Purdy these past two years. He's played here and there. Um, he seems ready to take command from what I've read about him. It seems like Iowa State fans aren't super concerned. So um, we'll see. He's got to prove it. The Iowa State defense is what concerns me. Um, they, they lost a few starters, but they'll still have guys like Will McDonald on their defensive line who two years ago got 10 and a half sacks, and then last year got 11 and a half. That's the school record in a single year. So that guy's a beast. Um, their defense has, you know, they've been good the last couple of years, and I see no reason that they won't be once again next year. Um, I'm going with Iowa State in this one, but it's definitely a game WVU can pull off the upset. Ultimately, with it being on the road, they're playing a stingy defense. I think I'm leaning a little towards the Cyclones here. Yeah, I can see that. But the one thing that I like about WVU here is that I feel like um, Iowa State's kind of in a state of flux. And offensively, they lost their best offensive player in Brees Hall. That's really hard to um, replace. And then defensively, they lost some really good talent down the middle. And I feel like that's an area that Graham Harrell could attack. Now, since we're, like you said, two thirds of the way in the season, Iowa state's going to have someone there who has experienced that by this time. I'm just hoping that that person isn't another quality guy like they've had the past few years. Um, but then again, too, if Graham Harrell and JT Daniel was in that offense are kind of rolling, um, I could see another scenario where like last year, WVU kind of, gets on a roll offensively and is able to break through that aggressive defense. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it's possible. Um, you know, some of these games were really hard for me to make a decision on. Uh, <laughs> and let, let's go to the next one. Cause this is one I see a lot of people online picking WVU. So the Mountaineers play the Oklahoma Sooners in Morgantown. Um, a lot of fans are, they're starting to claim that this is finally the year that we can defeat the Sooners being a member of the big 12. So uh, I'm not sure, so sure I believe it. What do you think? Uh, you'll know by the time I say the movie, it's it's the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> so I like WVU it. has been stuck in Oklahoma prison since entering the Big 12. After so many close games, heartbreaking and frustrating losses, Neil Brown finally leads the Mountaineers to a win against the Sooners, leading Neil Brown and the Mountaineer faithful proverbially kneeling down in the sewer water Thankful to get over that hump and bonus points if it rains. I love it. That's that's a good one right there. Um, and I, I hope you're right. 
Oklahoma has a new head coach, Brent Venables, uh, who's who is the complete opposite of Lincoln Riley. So Brent has, you know, he's created a dominating defense wherever he's coached, it seems like. And, uh, you know, once again, that might be the perfect recipe for Oklahoma at this this time, much like Texas Tech. Oklahoma's loaded on offense, so I'm sure their offense will still be productive. Now you got a guy who might improve the one thing that uh, they've been lacking. Oklahoma's offense still has Marvin Mims at wide receiver. They brought in Dylan Gabriel from UCF to replace Caleb Williams. Um, So, you know, one would assume their offense will still be productive. However, that quarterback is a bit of a question mark. He missed last season due to a major injury. Um, so we'll see how that affects them. Ultimately, I think Oklahoma's success this year comes down to how well their defense performs. I know a lot of WVU fans think this is the year. It sounds like you do too, that we're finally going to do it. Um, but I, I still think Oklahoma is loaded with talent. So I'm leaning a little bit towards the Sooners. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think, you know, Oklahoma lives in West Virginia's head rent free basically. And, You know, what I'm really pulling for is that, you know, the combination of Oklahoma kind of retooling, rebuilding, changing their philosophy around, plus coming to Morgantown um, with a new coaching staff, new leaders on offense and defense. You know, it's not an easy environment to come into. And we've seen WVU fans get into the players' heads, um, especially the ones who aren't big-time gamers. I mean, in the past few years – that WVU has played Oklahoma, they've had big-time players at the quarterback position who's been able to make big plays when it matters. And Dylan Gabriel, for as good as he's been, um, I feel like he's been in college for like seven years now. Um, He's been a great leader, put up great stats. I just don't know if he's been in anywhere like Morgantown against something a crowd like that. And um, especially with his injury history, um, he's had some pretty nasty ones. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how a season goes on top of how he handles a rowdy Mountaineer crowd. I'm with you. Yeah. And um, I do think Oklahoma will have a bit of a down year for Oklahoma. I mean, I'm still thinking they're going to probably pull off like nine wins, uh, which is a down year for them. But uh, yeah, so who knows? I mean, maybe that's one of the the games that they end up losing. Here's hoping. The next one is for West Virginia's last home game. They take on the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State looks like a scary team this year with Deuce Vaughn at halfback. Um, Adrian Martinez at quarterback. How do you see this game going? So WVU, look for counting, right now I have at a five-game winning streak. They're rich. They're rolling in it. And so for this move, for this game, I picked the Wolf of Wall Street. Likely the biggest game of the season with both Kansas State and WVU coming in battling for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. The crowd is loud, rowdy, and having fun. Kick Kicked off by Matthew McConaughey humming while banging his chest. <laughs> However, the fun is short-lived. Kansas State's experience, talent, and composure brings down the law on the Mountaineers, leaving the WVU faithful once, once again heartbroken and broke. I like it. You're picking some great movies. Shawshank, Wolf of Wall Street. These are some good ones. Um, And yeah, that was a good comparison. Uh, I see it going the other way, though. Like we mentioned, this offense has the potential to be scary with Vaughn Martinez. They have wide receiver Malik Knowles. 
Um, Kansas State is replacing a lot of talent on their defense, and it seems like a lot of their starters, a lot of the people they're trying to replace on defense are, are coming through the transfer portal. So um, I don't know if that hurts them or helps them. It seems like when you bring a bunch of guys in all at once, it takes some time for them to mesh. So I don't know if that'll be a factor. Of course, this game's late in the year. Um, so we shall see. K-State is the type of team I could see winning six games or eight or nine games. You know, mm-hmm. they're very similar to WVU. They could be, you know, 500 or they could have a pretty nice year. It all depends on how some of these games are going to fall. Um, and so we'll see. I, but I'm, I'm going with WVU in this one. I don't think it'll be an easy win by any means, but I'm going to take the Mounties on senior night. I hope so. I mean, it'd be a great win. Um, you know, I think if they, WVU can win one of Kansas State or Oklahoma, you know, we're going to be in good shape. I, I feel like, you know, those two are probably the toughest and most winnable of the no, of the last three games. Um, so I'll take one of the two. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I would, too. Um And then lastly, we got the Mountaineers travel to Stillwater to take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma State could very well win the Big 12 this season. Uh, They're a tough team. So what's your prediction for the season finale? Yeah, so admittedly, I think this is my my worst one, but um, it is what it is. Uh, So for this movie, I picked Cloverfield. Mike Gundy has built a monster. The Oklahoma State Cowboys sit comfortably in first place welcoming a Mountaineer team who is still trying to orient itself after a tough loss to Kansas State and being eliminated from Big 12 title contention. It's almost as if WVU is blindsided by the talent, experience, skill, and leadership of the Cowboys, and the monster destroys any hope WVU has with a strong finish to the season. Maybe it's the distraction or the fear of facing such a talented team, but WVU doesn't stand a chance and loses by multiple scores to the Cowboys. Yeah, I I think we see this uh, going. Yeah, I'm I'm basically (laughs) with you there. Oklahoma State, they went to the Big 12 championship last year. And, um, you know, they might very well end up in the championship game again this season. Spencer Spencer Sanders was a first team all Big 12 last year. And I expect him to have another big season. So um, the defense was absolutely dominant. They led the nation, the entire nation, in fact. And they led the conference in scoring defense. So um, I don't see the defense taking a big dip in production this year. So points are going to be hard to come by for West Virginia in that game. I'm with you. I'm taking the Cowboys. Yeah. And I think it's a tough way. Like you said, you know, this what last third of the season is really hard. I mean, Iowa State is probably the most winnable of the games. Um, and it's really going to come down to just mental toughness to win that one. Um, but Oklahoma, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State, arguably three of the probably top four teams in the Big 12, is just a brutal s- schedule to come up against. And, you know, last year we had a similar schedule where we faced three or four really good teams in a row. And I, I really wish the Big 12 commissioner would give us a break here coming soon because we've earned it. Um, but, you know, I, I think looking back, um, I have, was this an eight win season, eight and four? I think anyone who's a WVU fan would be happy with that. Um, obviously losing two in a row might leave people a little worried, but again, when you look at the standings, you know, if we're losing to two of Oklahoma, Kansas state, and Oklahoma state, you know, all three of those teams are going to be ranked at some point during the season and losing to two of those, two of those three teams 
isn't a bad thing. Um, it's a good stepping stone coming into next year, especially if JT Daniels comes back after having a good year. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. My prediction is I have them going seven and five. And, um, you know, seven to eight wins is realistic. And, and and fans should be happy with that. I know some fans are really hyping them for like nine wins, winning the Big 12. Um, you know, we got to be a, a little realistic. DraftKings Sportsbook has West Virginia as the third lowest odds of winning the Big 12. The only teams lower than us is Texas Tech and Kansas. Um, so, I mean, if we get seven or eight wins, be happy with that. That's realistic. Um, yeah, I'll be ecstatic with your record. If we win eight games, I'll be super pumped for that. Uh, and since I'm going with seven, anytime you pick a number, you can go one below or one under it. I wouldn't even be shocked if, you know, six wins happens. I would be disappointed, but I wouldn't be shocked. Now, if WVU ends up with a losing record and they have five or less wins, that's a major disappointment. And fans should definitely have a gripe about that. Um, but I, I would just encourage everyone, be realistic. You know, seven, eight wins is where you should be expecting this season to go. Yeah, I would be upset with six wins if one of those six wins isn't against one of Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, or Oklahoma State. I think if you're going to get six wins, you have to beat one of those four teams because I think those are the top four teams in the Big 12. And the one thing that Neil Brown has really struggled to do during his tenure is to beat some of those ranked teams. He's always played them close. He just hasn't been able to finish. Um, if you're going to only win six games, you got to give show progress in that category of pulling off upsets because as a WVU fan, you know, there are very few seasons where I go in thinking that, hey, we have a shot at the BCS title game. We have a shot at, you know, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl game. But what I do come in in is looking at the home games where we have some highly ranked opponent coming in and we have a chance to knock them off and knowing that we're going to have a chance to knock them off um, because we've done it before. With Neil Brown, I don't necessarily have that hope yet. I think he can do it, but he needs to show it to me before my hope falls off. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And honestly, this year seems like the year he can do it. He's got the talent in place. He's got his systems in place. He's established now. Seems like the right time for it all to come together. For sure. All right, guys, we just got a couple more things to note. Uh, we want to talk about Jared Dagey real quick. Dagey is transferring out of Western Kentucky. He lost the QB battle to Austin Reed, and it was actually announced today that he will transfer to Troy, Neil Brown's old school. So what are your thoughts on the Jared Dagey news? I thought it was interesting that he couldn't win the starting job at um, Western Kentucky, first and foremost. I mean, um, the guy he lost the job to, um, was what an FCS quarterback, and you know, remember, I think he was actually he did lead his team to a national championship, but he finished in second to Tyler Bangent in the FCS Player of the Year. And recall, Tyler Bangent is the quarterback who played for Shepard, West Virginia native. WVU brought him in this last offseason, recruiting him, um, and WVU ultimately turned him away, so he went back to Shepard. Um, so it's interesting because that is kind of an apples to apples comparison showing what Jarrett Deggie's talent level really was. And a lot of us expected that he just wasn't that good um, because we've seen other quarterbacks come in and make plays. And Deggie was just, it, it just seems like he wasn't really a power five, you know, arm. Um, and seeing that he lost to an FCS arm, 
and a guy who had he been able to stay at WV for another year and WV brought in Tyler Bangent could very well have lost his job to an FCS quarterback at WV as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really interesting situation, and I, I wish him the best of luck, but I think it reaffirms what a lot of WVU, WVU fans felt about Deggy during his time here. Yeah, exactly. I, I, honestly, I, I feel sorry for the kid. You know, he always said the right thing. He he seemed like a great teammate while he was in Morgantown. It wasn't like he was causing problems when there was a lot of quarterback talk and the fans getting mad. Um, so I give him credit and it makes him very likable, but kind of like what you said, I, I think this certainly proves he wasn't qualified to to start last year. Um, who knows? Maybe we didn't have enough talent to replace him, but uh, I don't know. You could certainly make an argument. But if you go back, um, you know, I still understand why Neil Brown made him the starter two years ago after mm-hmm. Austin Kendall flamed out. Daggy had a strong showing those last couple games in the 2019 season. So I can understand starting him in 2020. I think everyone was on board with that. However, he proved many times during the 2021 season that, you know, he just wasn't the answer. And, and Coach Brown refused to give another player a chance. But um, interesting career. But it's not over yet. I wish Daggy all the best at Troy. I hope he finds success there. And, um, you know, I hope he ends his college career on a high note. I'm rooting for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, he, he was a really quality guy. Um, just, you know, and I think some of it speaks to just the talent level on WBU's quarterback roster. I mean, obviously, Will Crowder wasn't ready. Garrett Green, you know, we've seen his highs and lows. Um, and, I, I, you know, cu- going into some of the predictions that I made during this was kind of factoring in that I expect JT Daniels not just to be incrementally better than Jared Deggy, but actually leaps and bounds better than Jared Deggy. So um, we'll see. Um, hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully we don't have to rely on one of the younger guys yet. Um, but I hope Jared Deggy goes to Troy and can actually, you know, I'm, I, I don't care about his statistics. I want to see him go out a winner. That would be my hope for him. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't said it better myself. Um, the last thing we want to cover guys is we're just going to update you on a few WVU pros and uh and what's going on with them first up sad news um carl joseph who was a big big fan favorite while he was in morgantown uh it seems like he's done for the year he's on ir he got hurt almost immediately in the pittsburgh steelers first preseason game um which is very disappointing he i mean he was going to be second string but he was backing up um edmonds and so he probably would have saw some snaps here and there he probably would have got a lot of play on special teams um, I was actually really looking forward to Carl Joseph playing this year, being a Steeler fan. I was pumped that I was going to get to see him out there. And, you know, practically before the season even starts, he's he's already done. Yeah, it's disappointing. And, you know, unfortunately for Carl Joseph, he his play style is probably, um, what, 20 years too late. Um, if he played in the 90s, he would have been the perfect safety um, just with his play style. Um, and unfortunately he hasn't really caught on anywhere, but, you know, obviously I love seeing him on an NFL roster and I feel bad that, you know, last year after being, I think on the practice squad all year with the Steelers, he was going to get a shot to be on that too deep depth chart. Um, injuries suck. I mean, there's no other better way to put it. And it's even worse when it's someone that you really are rooting for with him being a WVU alum. Yeah. Yeah. We wish him all the best and hopefully he can bounce back next year and, uh, you know, make the 
roster on someone's squad. Um, some other news, Letty Brown, his first game wasn't a great one. He had one carry for negative two yards. Um, you know, obviously it's a small sample size and hopefully he can do something in these last two preseason games, but, uh, it wasn't so great the first time around. Yeah. Letty's a tough one for me to kind of project success for, um, just with his run style. I mean, I think in order for him to make a roster, he would have to carve out kind of like a LeGarrette Blunt role. Um, I don't think he can really be a three down back. Um, and he's not really, doesn't really have the speed or the quickness to play against NFL competition. I think he would have to make it as a goal line black, a short yardage back, which some teams have those guys. Some teams don't. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I think Letty ends up on a practice squad somewhere this year and he's really going to have to work on his body. And, um, his role to kind of figure out what niche he wants to fill so that he can get on an NFL roster here sometime in the next two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm not sure he's going to land on a team this season, but um, like you said, you know, he could work on a lot and improve, and hopefully next year is his year. Um, next up, we got Kenny Robinson, Kenny Robinson, you know, sorry guys, but we don't got a ton of good news. I probably <laughs> will finish on good news. Kenny Robinson was ejected from um, the Panthers joint practice with the Patriots. Um, I I don't know a ton of details about it. Apparently he was uh, starting fights. Do you have any more information on the situation? Um, So the first, so the Panthers are having joint practices with the Patriots. Um, The first game, there was a little bit kind of like a shoving match, I think after one of the plays between, um, between Robinson and someone on the Patriots named Wilkerson. I'm not familiar with him. Um, It escalated into a fight. Um, Kenny Robinson got kicked out of the practice. Um, This last practice, I think it was today, Wilkerson, again, was fielding a punt, and apparently Kenny Robinson just destroyed him and literally knocked him out with the hit. And obviously that stirred the pot again. Fight ensued. Um, and Kenny Robinson gets kicked out again. So that's the, that's the cliff notes. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I don't really know a whole lot to say on the situation. I I hope he, you know, turns it around a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's end this on a good note. So, um, to end on a happy note, Mario Alford returned a kickoff for a touchdown in the CFL. I mean, I don't know if you guys have social media, but it was all over Twitter. That's where I kept seeing the highlights and it was very reminiscent of his uh, WVU playing days. So I enjoyed seeing that. Good for Super Mario. What do you think about that? I love that? it. I love it. That's great. Um, I, I do want to kind of give a shout out to um, a guy who signed an, a nice contract last year for the Green Bay Packers, Russell Douglas. A um, lot of talk about him in camp about, you know, how confident he is, how well he's looked. Um, I saw a tweet where it said he is talking a preposterous preposterous amount of smack talk during practices. Um, And, you know, it's great to see his career turn around from someone who is bouncing around from team to team to someone who really seems like he can be a top two cornerback on a Super Bowl hopeful team. And um, he really earned it last year with the way that he finished the season. Um, And I'm really excited to see him play some more this year because I've always loved Russell Douglas and thought he had the ability to be, a big time player in the NFL. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. Seems like he's getting a swagger now. He's even talking trash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love Douglas. I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, he had a lot of picks last year. I forget the exact number, but uh, the one that sticks out was that um, game. The Cardinals. Yeah, against Cardinals was that a Thursday night game? I remember watching it live. I believe it was a night game. Um, but yeah, it looked like the Cardinals were easily going to score, and I think they were they were going to win if they scored right at the end. And yeah. Douglas makes a huge play, picks off Murray, um, and seals the deal for the Packers. So it's great to see success from Mountaineer players. Absolutely, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's I remember growing up as a kid. Um, playing Madden and stuff, it was you were hard pressed to find a WVU guy on a roster. I remember going through every team, every spot on the roster, and be like, "What team do I want to play with that has a WVU guy on it?" And you just couldn't find him. Nowadays, it's fun to turn on, you know, NFL Red Zone or wherever you watch your football and see at least WVU players standing on the sideline in pads. Um, it just makes Sundays that much better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that is it for us, guys. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget, next week, next Thursday, August 25th, we have Alan Saunders from Pittsburgh Sports Now joining us to break down the backyard brawl. Um, so thanks in advance for him. Um, I'm really excited to have him on and to hear what he has to say. Me too. Uh, it's always fun to get another perspective on teams because, as we all know, we all wear blue and gold colored glasses. and. Uh, Sometimes it's helpful to see what others are seeing from the outside. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys, that's it for us. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, everyone.